Hi, welcome to the July 2023 Respiratory Care Editor's Commentary and Podcast. This is Rich Branson. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Respiratory Care. This month's issue includes papers based on the 59th Respiratory Care Journal Conference held in St. Petersburg, Florida, entitled Chronic Obstructive Pulmonary Disease, Current Evidence and Implications for Practice. The conference was sponsored by the American Respiratory Care Foundation and co-chaired by Milan Han from Michigan and Neil McIntyre from Duke University. Topics were presented by each invited faculty and post-presentation discussions are included with each published paper. Each presentation reviewed evidence-based management of COPD and the discussions provided the group a real-world view of clinical practice. Curtis opened the conference with a review of the etiology, pathophysiology, and definition of COPD based on the recently released Global Initiative for COPD Guidelines, also called GOLD. He emphasized the global burden of COPD and the heterogeneous nature of COPD around the world. The role of spirometry in the diagnosis of COPD was discussed and the limitations of spirometry alone in patients with this multifaceted disease detailed. Curtis updated the current understanding of the etiology and pathophysiology of COPD and provided background explaining the need to expand diagnostic criteria as well as challenges to that initiative. It's interesting to note that in the United States, we typically associate COPD with cigarette smoking and often more prominent in males. But around the world, females have a greater incidence of COPD often because they're using wood, charcoal, or in some cases, even animal manure as fuel for cooking indoors. Christensen provided a review of COPD phenotyping, emphasizing the impact of individual genetics and exposures over a lifetime. She detailed how the innovations in lung imaging and physiologic metrics, as well as omics technologies and biomarker science, may contribute to a better understanding of COPD heterogeneity. The evolution of COPD phenotyping, the current use of phenotyping to direct clinical care, and how innovations in clinical and molecular approaches to unraveling disease heterogeneity are refining our understanding of COPD phenotypes are discussed. Han discussed the important concept of the Gold Zero classification, a group of individuals with early stage COPD at risk for disease progression before spirometry changes or any symptomatic evidence of illness. She introduces the terms pre-COPD and early COPD to define individuals based on symptoms, physiologic or radiographic abnormalities that don't meet criteria for COPD, but are clearly at risk. Early COPD focuses on individuals who have early physiologic or radiographic abnormalities, but at the same time are typically young, distinguishing these patients from those with late mild disease who may be less likely to progress. Haynes contributes a detailed discussion on the role of pulmonary function testing and the definition, diagnosis, and management of COPD. He reviews the interesting finding that COPD symptoms, pathology, and the associated poor outcomes often occur despite normal spirometry. The roles of exercise testing, diffusing capacity, and other tests are reviewed, and the ability of each to predict mortality evaluated. Jeff Haynes is a respiratory therapist and an expert in pulmonary function testing, which was clear from his presentation And from my standpoint, I'm always impressed by the knowledge that he has and the complexity of pulmonary function testing for those of us who don't work in that arena. Matthew discusses the functional and psychosocial consequences of COPD, noting that mental health disorders are common. Anxiety and depression are especially common comorbidities in COPD. She suggests the mechanisms and interactions of anxiety and depression in COPD are poorly understood, and these conditions often go underdiagnosed 
while contributing to worse outcomes. The literature includes limited data of variable quality on effective treatment and management strategies for anxiety and depression in COPD. She suggests that the role of pulmonary rehabilitation and disease management present a viable alternative requiring further study. Pleasance discusses the pharmacologic treatment of COPD covering standard medications as well as novel pharmacologic agents. He reviews the role of digital technologies for monitoring adherence and the vital importance of assuring inhaler technique. Personalization of medications based on phenotypes is discussed, including corticosteroids for COPD, characterized by eosinophilia, and dual phosphodiesterase inhibitors to treat alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. One overarching theme related to inhaled medications is education of patients in proper technique and follow-up to assure appropriate use. Again, this is a place where respiratory therapists play an important role in the patients with COPD. Kreiner provides a technically detailed review of the science and evidence for surgical treatment of COPD. This includes surgical and interventional treatments delivered via a bronchoscopic approach, which have shown promise to improve patient outcomes. He describes how surgical and interventional treatments tar target structural abnormality and physiologic testing. He concludes that these assessments are key to selecting patients most likely to benefit at all. I can recall when the first of these treatments started to be popular in the United States and the technology has really changed a lot in the last couple of decades um, and appears to start to be a relatively common phenomena. Brian Carlin contributes a detailed review of the prevention and management of COPD exacerbations. Exacerbations are common with progressive disease and post-exacerbation quality of life uniformly declines. He reviews technologies, including artificial intelligence and wearable monitoring devices, for the earlier detection of exacerbations. He concludes that early detection and preventative therapies are likely key to future personalized COPD management. Neil McIntyre provides a review of the treatment of hypercapnic respiratory failure in COPD covering pharmacologic treatment, including aerosolized bronchodilator administration, corticosteroids, and antibiotics. The importance of early use of NIV is presented and factors contributed to success detailed. The judicious and careful use of oxygen therapy is highlighted, and the challenges of invasive ventilation, including reducing hyperinflation, are discussed. He also discusses future strategies, including extracorporeal CO2 removal. Chris Garvey describes the issues surrounding pulmonary rehabilitation, emphasizing the fact that it is a high-value intervention, improving exercise capacity, dyspnea, health-related quality of life, and depression, as well as reducing hospital lengths of stay. She notes improved survival when pulmonary rehabilitation follows COPD-related hospitalizations. She details the unfortunate fact that pulmonary rehabilitation is underutilized despite strong evidence of both clinical and cost-effectiveness. Unequal access to pulmonary rehabilitation, particularly in rural and underserved communities, is a problem that virtual pulmonary rehab may help to bridge. Hess covers the struggle for safe and effective oxygen therapy at home and the importance of portable devices to maximize quality of life. He describes two seminal papers from the 80 that are the basis for the benefit of home oxygen therapy. But oxygen therapy continues to be a $2 billion cost to Medicare. He discusses the use of oxygen therapy for nocturnal hypoxemia as well as exercise-induced hypoxemia. He emphasizes the importance of education on the proper use and assessment of long-term oxygen therapy which has been lacking for clinicians and patients alike. 
or contributes an expert review on the controversial role of NIV for COPD in the home. He suggests that home NIV may be, have the potential to compensate for physiologic issues underlying hypercapnia. He reviews recent trials of home non-invasive ventilation, which have shown improved patient-oriented outcomes, including improved quality of life, reduced hospitalizations, and lower mortality. He emphasized that home NIV requires an expert understanding of patient selection, devices used, as well as the modes of ventilation and strategies for titration. Or also mentions the role of digital and virtual technologies for home monitoring and improving success. Changes in reimbursement to allow home visits by respiratory therapists are presented as a potential game changer. Again, personally, from my viewpoint, the monitoring that's capable now of home NIV, um, what the settings are, where they changed, how often it were used, is an outstanding use of technology and really can help the clinicians make sure the patient's getting the benefit of the therapy. The 59th Respiratory Care Journal Conference was presented under the auspices of the American Respiratory Care Foundation. We are grateful to our sponsors, Vapotherm, AstraZeneca, and Fisher and Pykel for their financial support of the conference through unrestricted educational grants to the Respiratory Care Foundation. This is Rich Branson. We appreciate your, your attention to the Respiratory Care Podcast and hope you also enjoy the journal and we look forward to your submissions in the future. To receive the content of this and past issues of the journal, visit our website at www.rcjournal.com. There you can also subscribe to receive podcasts of future issues.